welcome, welcome to Wellbeing Wednesdays. I'm your host, Courtney Weaver. I'm the director over at WellWVU here at West Virginia University. With me today is Cinna King. She is a registered dietitian with uh, WVU Dining Services. And it's funny because she's been a guest before, but you all never heard that episode because we had Zoom issues. And so we refer to it as the lost episode. And it was a good one. It might have been the best one we've ever done. Uh, <laughs> I want to welcome Cinna. And uh, Cinna, for those who are unfamiliar with what a registered dietitian does and what services you offer to the university, can you give them a quick overview of what you've got going on? Yeah, sure. So a lot of students don't know when I talk to them, they say, oh, I didn't know I had a, like an opportunity for a free resource. So all students on campus have an opportunity to meet with me and it is a free resource. And there, if you go to WVU Dining Services, there is actually a form you fill out to reach out to me. And then I, I say, hey, when can we meet? And then we can talk all things nutrition. And that might look like, um, you know, actually predominantly I'm working with students, especially with COVID with diagnosed eating disorders or, you know, all along the spectrum of disorder eating and body image concerns. But we also will see students maybe from that are active and at the rec center that want like sports and activity related nutrition counseling. I do a lot of like allergy related counseling, gut health questions, like specifically like IBS, a lot of students will reach out related to that. And so You know, or if you don't have a diagnosis and you're like, I just want to chat, um, I'm here for that also. Yeah. Well, do you find that you have to like debunk a lot of myths that people see, especially on like social media platforms like Instagram or TikTok or something because they see a trend and they're like, hey, is this good for you or whatever? Do you see that a lot? Oh, my gosh. I feel like that's what I just I, I, I get on a soapbox and I just like spew, like not true, like in not factual, like yikes, like this, like I need like red flags. I just like throw them up all the time. (laughs) Like I see things a lot about supplements and like taking things for like weight loss or like when we're doing like cleanses, there's like a lot of cleanses that are not uh, evidence-based like allergies. Like people are, you know, sharing that they have allergies that they maybe don't actually have and and they read something online about it so yeah or just diets in general and like their efficacy and it's like you know kind of a lot of like sums down to to what they read online and then what is actually supported right well it's funny i was watching the second season of cheer and i thought of you and your work because at (laughs) one point one of the cheerleaders was like well we're doing the watermelon diet or watermelon fast and all they ate was watermelon and i was like i think that's wrong and literally the next day i saw an article that's like don't do that like (laughs) (laughs) yeah from from an rd that was like stop that's not good for your body. So yeah, it's so enticing though. Like when we have, when we have so many concerns, we just want someone to say like, this can make it better. And I think food is that for a lot of people and diets are that for a lot of people. So I can really relate. Like I really try to empathize with folks that are doing it, uh, like supplements and diets, but man do, you know, do symptoms get exacerbated and we find ourselves in a harder spot for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. So the topic of this is don't do the watermelon diet. 
Yeah, that's a good play. I mean, eat watermelon <laughs> if you like it, but it's, sure. just just don't only eat watermelon. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, like integrate it into a balanced uh, diet with all the different <laughs> food groups. Uh, so, well, well, so now you're you came on today because there's an awareness week coming up, which is February 21st through the 27th, which I think it that's next week. Mm-hmm. So this will this will come out midweek of that. But it's eating disorders awareness week. So I know you wanted to talk a little bit about eating disorders, what the different types are some of the symptoms but quick question because you said this earlier and again we were we covered this on the lost episode uh but since it's lost so in your professional not opinion your professional knowledge you know could you sort of explain the difference between an eating disorder and then Mm -hmm. disordered eating yeah sure yeah so i really think it's it's all on a spectrum and if we look at it in that way, because it's when we get a diagnosis with eating disorder, it really is like this threshold we have created. So you have enough like health concerns, enough, maybe like, like maladaptive behavior or like disordered, you know, thoughts or concerns to a point now that you have a diagnosis, but that doesn't mean you should not reach out for help. If you aren't experiencing like some of related symptoms that we might talk about or having some maybe obsessive thoughts about like foods or oh, I meet with a lot of students that have maybe not clinically diagnosed binge restrict cycles, but in some form, it's it's actually a pretty big concern from them. So I think how I, I, I say it is that it's like the kind of like the width and the depth of like how many concerns we have in like behaviors and thought processes that are maladaptive and then how often do they happen? And then there is a threshold to that to then get a diagnosis. But again, I stress so much, if you're listening to this and you're like, Hmm, maybe I have some things I'm questioning. It probably means you need to reach out and get support because you probably wouldn't be questioning it otherwise. So it's always on a spectrum and you don't need a diagnosis to need support is what I always try to tell people. Okay. And, and for those who are looking for support, we'll put um, the link to Cinna's intake form, well, not intake form, but the request form uh, to the mm-hmm. description of this podcast so people can access it pretty easily. But you can also Google just WVU Registered Dietitian yeah. and your webpage also comes up. Well, so let's do a quick overview of eating disorders. I think sometimes people only think that, you know, they've heard of anorexia nervosa, they've heard of bulimia nervosa, and like, that's it. But there is actually quite a wide range, correct? Right. Yeah, sure. When we think about like, if you close your eyes right now and you think about what does an eating disorder look like, the stereotypical thought that you might have is a cisgender, lighter skinned female individual that is emaciated or at a very low body weight. And that's our kind of like societal perception. But for example, anorexia nervosa is only uh, makes up only three percent of all eating disorder diagnoses. So that is an accurate. It is an inaccurate depiction of actually like what's taking place in terms of like all the eating disorders. So binge eating disorder actually makes up almost half of eating disorder diagnoses. So like forty seven percent. And then we have like other specified feeding and eating disorders are making up about thirty eight percent. And then bulimia nervosa makes up up about 12, but we have other things to consider. You know, we were talking offline, Courtney, about orthorexia. It is not an official diagnosis. However, it's something that we're seeing pretty prevalent as it relates to kind of our trends in society. Essentially, people just becoming really fixated on healthy eating that they're actually causing a lot of damage to their well-being. So I think we can get into statistics about like what it, how many people are getting diagnosed with anorexia. And while that's, it's absolutely a concern, I do want to normalize that there's so many other eating disorders that 
um, aren't depicted in the media that people can have that they really need a lot of support on. Yeah, yeah. And and for those who are interested in learning more about eating disorders in general, there is a national organization. It's the National Eating Disorders Association. They are actually the folks who sponsor the Eating Disorders Awareness Week, but they have a lot of great information on their website and we'll link to them as well. So, Susanna, so what can cause an eating disorder? Is it just like one thing or is it many factors? Sure. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a hundred percent many factors. And like, we have to consider someone's environment. We have to consider social media. We have to consider genetics because that's a, a huge portion of this. We have to consider someone's socioeconomic status because we know those with lower socioeconomic status actually increase their, their risk of bulimia and binge eating disorder related symptoms. And so it's, it's just, it's all of it. So the question is, is it one thing and it's no, it's just, it's so many things. And Another one that comes to mind is history of dieting. So someone that has a long history of dieting has an increased risk of an eating disorder. I think the numbers, you know, are like 30% of dieters were actually progressing to disorder eating. And then of that uh, number, about half of those could be diagnosed with eating disorder. So even dieting alone, like you following a cleanse or a diet that you've seen online or on social media, um, that's actually increasing your risk. Uh, So, yeah. Okay. Keep seeing, I think, I feel like diets, you know, those fad diets, they come and go. It used to be the Atkins diet, then it was South Beach and all those low carb kind of lifestyle. Now it's like keto, which I, I'm going to be honest, I don't really understand what it is. Um, so, <laughs> like, it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of a lot. So what are some of the warning signs of an eating disorder? Yeah. So if we're looking at like, potentially we can start with like emotional or behavioral that might look like someone's like attitudes or thoughts around their weight. So if someone is, is, is thinking that it's essential for their health to lose weight, they might actually start a diet. So we're seeing like the progression of a thought pattern is actually impacting someone's behavior. So we, we see a lot of behaviors. We might see someone dieting, trying to lose weight, controlling their food intake, but it really is probably stemming more from like some cognitive and emotional kind of things that are happening. So it might look like someone's really preoccupied with their weight. They talk about it frequently or they're thinking about it constantly. They're thinking about food when they're going to get their next, you know, meal or the calories or counting macros. They might um, refuse certain foods. They might um, appear really uncomfortable or have a lot of anxiety around foods that are they deemed maybe like good or bad food rituals. So something that comes to mind is, you know, someone that has to like cook it or prepare it a certain way or be in a certain uh, spot to be able to consume that food, whether it's, you know, they can only consume food privately or whatever, whatever that might look like. And then uh, a couple other like more related to like cognitive symptoms might be just an, just a lot of concern anxiety and preoccupation with either your body size, the shape of your body, your food, or thinking about needing to lose weight and maybe constantly assessing that. So I think that's more of like a lot of like emotional and behavior warning signs, but some, some physical that we might not see someone, like we're not seeing them really uncomfortable around food, but we might notice when they got, or like when they're seeing a physician and they get labs done, they have abnormal labs and that can be um, related to an eating disorder we might notice someone's having difficulty concentrating or their academics have plummeted. And that can be related to some of those cognitive and behavioral uh, symptoms. Sleeping problems can also be one, even like dental problems for someone that is uh, potentially like purging, 
dry skin, hair, and brittle nails. Even losing your hair could be a sign. Muscle weakness and just extreme tiredness from not maybe getting enough or purging in some type of way. And then another one like for wound healing. So let's say you got like a, a scrape or something, you know, you, you bumped your knee and you're having uh, issues with like just general wound healing, or maybe you're getting sick a lot. So like, you know, that eating disorders are related to poor immune uh, system functioning, and that's going to cause you to likely feel pretty unwell most of the time. Yeah. And it's probably important for us to know, like, we're not going to see all of these symptoms with each of the disorders that we talked about previously, correct? Yeah. So like, for example, with anorexia nervosa, you're going to have a like extreme preoccupation with your weight and then other eating disorders, weight isn't a factor. So you can't like uh, assume that some, you know, someone that doesn't care about their weight doesn't have an eating disorder. Right. So yeah, we definitely can put some of these into specific categories, but it's like unlikely that you're going to experience all of what I just mentioned. And so I think that's important to note that hopefully you didn't just go through a checklist and you're like, well, I'm only experiencing four out of 10. That means I'm all good. Um, not necessarily. Right. <laughs> right. Right. You still probably want to talk to someone like you. Uh, <laughs> so when it comes uh, to prevention, you know, what do you recommend for folks to improve their relationship with food and with their bodies? Yeah, I think, you know, prevention, I get really jazzed up about because I think it's important to know that it's, it's, it's tough to consider because prevention for eating disorders to me is actually more of a social justice issue. Like we actually need to address systems to be yeah. able to like create, I think a lot of change. And it's not to say we can talk about some of like individual things you can start trying to do, but we have to address our healthcare system because weight stigma is a real concern and that impacts people's uh, ability to go get care. They actually get turned away and they're not receiving the, the help they need, like maybe for like a necessary surgery, for example, or just different types of referrals because of their weight. And so that's, I mean, that could be like a social justice concern if we address, we will likely see a decrease in eating disorders, for example, or social media. And we know I had a, an, uh, a student that's she's an already in training. She actually did a lot of uh, research on like social media usage and the number that really stuck out to me is about half of the images or videos or things that are posted on social media are um, modified and kind of mm. when, when you're getting into like all the, the modifications about, I don't know what they're exactly called, but it's not, it's not actually a reality, right? Like what you're seeing online isn't reality and it's not, you're not actually really seeing like an actual depiction of someone. And so we need to address, you know, social media usage. So aside from my soapbox of like it being more of like a systems approach, I think things that people could try to start doing individually might be working on their fat phobia, for example. So there is, I think it's, I believe it's Harvard that created like the assessment of like a bias. And so you can actually just take a, do you know, yes. isn't it Harvard? Yeah. That, it yeah. is Harvard. It's the, it's an implicit bias test. And if right. you, I think if you just Google Harvard implicit bias, it'll take you to it. Mm -hmm. There's a, it's not just weight. There's also like race, gender, yeah. all sorts of different things where you can assess your own, your implicit bias. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I always, I always like to, I've taken it and I think it's so fascinating. So maybe like consider doing that, consider reaching out to maybe like a counselor or a therapist or myself to work on, maybe it's going to be based on your self-esteem and how a lot of times we put our worth in our appearance. And if we can work on that and focus on more of our body as like a functional thing versus 
deriving worth from appearance specifically, that could actually help because we decrease someone's body dissatisfaction that can help as a preventative measure for decreasing eating disorder risk. And the other one I always think about is stop dieting, you know, so, cause that's a huge risk factor. So I think, you know, getting support and working with a professional on potentially self-esteem or body dissatisfaction, and then like eating behaviors and, you know, obviously see a dietitian for like uh, a food relationship concerns, but I think those are more like individual things people can do. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I know I've had this conversation with Olivia before from Collegiate Recovery mm-hmm. and, you know, once, cause I've been working on this for several years at this point, cause at, at my old institution, we had an RD come onto our staff and who was, it is extremely progressive in the way she thinks about food and is very similar to, to you. And it really got me thinking about how I talk about food and think about food. And, and once you notice certain things, it's like you realize how pervasive things are. So for example, I'm a baker, love to bake. And I always bring in, you know, baked goods. So it's cookies, breads, muffins, whatever. And so I like to share it with people that I work with and friends with. And it's amazing how people are like, oh no, I've been bad today. I can't have that. And it's like, yeah. what's bad? Like, did you commit a crime? Like, like, oh, well, I worked out this morning. Oh, thank goodness for that. And even, and even like the messages come from outside the self too. Cause how many people had parents growing up who were constantly on diets or constantly commented on body size. And it's still seen as this socially acceptable thing. And yeah. it's infuriating. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I also think about like, you know, maybe you're going to go to the water fountain and you see a colleague there. What do you do for small talk? It's talking about like maybe the latest diet that you're doing. Right. Or, you know, you know, some, some thing about like a cleanse or something. So, or like your weight goals. Right. So it's so interesting. Yeah. We, we talk about it all the time and you're placing more value on food and our bodies. And the reality is the only issue with you you know, having, you know, baked goods and passing them out is that you didn't offer me one. That's the only issue that I see with this. So <laughs> well, next time I do, I haven't really baked a lot and brought it in because of COVID, but next time I do, I'll walk over to your office. Okay. And I'll leave you something. Don't worry. But, okay. <laughs> yeah. But it is, it is, it is very interesting. And so I always try to be really mindful of the way, like I speak about food and, you know, never try to comment on what other folks are eating or if, unless it looks delicious, you know, like, yes. like, Hey, that yeah. was awesome. And you should be proud that you made that or proud that, you know, you're, I don't know, eating it, I guess, but, but it's just, yeah, it's. So I encourage, I encourage everyone to maybe think about how you speak about food and sort of reevaluate you know, is that the best for you and your mental health and other people's mental health? That's, it's, it's, it's been an interesting journey and yeah, it it's continues because the way we talk about, you know, anything shifts and changes. yeah. Yeah. And the only thing I would add to that too is yeah, maybe put a pause on the, the comments you might make about what someone's eating and definitely put a pause on commenting on someone's weight. Even if they've lost weight, if they've gained weight, if anything about their body is different, you don't know what you're complimenting or you don't know like what harm you can cause. And Mm -hmm. someone's weight is the least interesting thing about that person that I know for sure. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, how many times have you seen, oh my gosh, if you lost weight, you look great. And that implies so many things that they look terrible before that like, we don't know how they went about losing that weight because maybe they were ill and something happened. Maybe they're... (laughs) Maybe they lost weight because they are struggling with disordered eating patterns. Like there's so many factors. So just say, 
like instead of like, oh, you lost weight, like, hey, your smile looks great today. Or yeah, like, I've actually had conversations with this about my like with my family members about like, well, I don't know what to say if I don't compliment like you and your physical appearance. Like maybe sharing that you're just happy to see me, like you said, or you look like you're in good spirits today, and that like makes me feel good. Or I have missed you. Or yeah. you know, so, something along those lines, right? That's that's really specific about the person and not their appearance. Yeah. Like, hey, you know what? You being here makes my day better. Like, oh, okay. Right. Well, that, like, I would, <laughs> I would love getting a compliment like that. Like, shoot. Dang. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, not, talking to you makes my day better. Just want you to <laughs> so practice, practice what we say. Uh, well, so any, any final thoughts? I know you're, you're so passionate about like this area and, and so many different things, but any, any parting words of wisdom that you want to share? Sure. Yeah. Maybe just um, chatting about a couple of things that we have going on the next couple of weeks if people are interested. So I don't know exactly, I guess maybe this might be after this is aired, but next week there's going to be a lot of stuff like at the mountain layer. So Olivia, who is again, the collegiate recovery director is having like some tabling that's related to eating disorders. So definitely stop by the mountain layer this week. We're having a, a, a workshop about like eating related concerns next week also. And so just always check on Refresh because we're doing a lot of events uh, there related to like eating things. And then also please always get support. Like I, I say all the time when I'm talking with students, like, have you considered reaching out to the crew center or, you know, who can I put you into, you know, contact with? Like we have a, a the, the rack, like how do we get um, you down to, to see folks down there or, you know, if you're, if you're worried about reaching out to me, cause you're, you know, it's maybe like uncomfortable or, you know, reach out to me and we can maybe talk through that and how it can make it easier to talk about what you have concerns about. So I just, I hope people don't try to do things alone because that's the hardest way to do it, you know? Yeah. And, and what's really great is that as, you know, WV students, all, you know, these services are free. They can talk to you for free. That yeah. never happened in your adult life. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> take advantage of the services that are available. And I know Collegiate Recovery is also ha- has a lot of resources for folks who are in recovery from eating disorders. Um, and so you can check those out too. And, and we'll link to those in the description as well. Mm-hmm. Well, Wilson, uh, as always, I love talking to you and we thank you so much for for joining us today inevitably i'm going to bring you back on so we can talk some more about all the things Uh, but, but thank you to you and thank you to all of our listeners we really appreciate it and we will catch you next time on well-being wednesdays